Our second item of praise is very appropriate to this beautiful spell of weather that we're having, all things bright and beautiful. Let's I always appreciate at this stage in a service of Maureen giving me a hand. And she is now going to read Psalm number 121. It's known as the Traveler Psalm. It's the Psalm that was sung by those Israelites long ago on their holidays and holy days as they went up to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. The Traveler Psalm number 121. 
up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not burn you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Thanks be to God. Here endeth the lesson. Thank you, Maureen. Our prayers for other people, let us pray. In our prayers for others today, we pause for a moment of reflection between each prayer thought as we bring before you, loving God, their needs and ask for your help in their varying experiences. We pray for our political, medical, and scientific leaders that, realizing how individuals and groups sometimes do as they please without due thought of others, they may speak with realism and wisdom on COVID matters, and that members of the public will act with responsibility. We pray for our MLAs at Stormont, that in the interests of good government and our people's welfare, differences between individuals and parties may be relaxed, less confrontational, and a fresh spirit of optimism and pulling together may be born to everyone's advantage. We pray for peace in our land during this season of commemorations and a respect for others' views and beliefs. And for the police, ambulance, fire and rescue services who serve our entire community. We pray for the continued skill and physical and emotional energy of our NHS members in the rise of COVID cases and for staff in care and nursing homes as they deal with the needs and distresses of all whom they look after. We pray for the isolated, fearful and lonely and those who worry about family members, jobs, and what the future holds, and especially those whose loved ones are seriously ill either at home or in hospital, and those with the heaviest of hearts, who long for the sound of a voice that is still, and for the touch of a hand that is gone. 
We pray for the safety and relaxation of all on holiday, for the encouragement of those in the travel and hospitality industries, and for those busiest too at this time of year with the RNLI, Coast Guard, and life-saving services. We pray for those on the continent who in recent days through rivers in spate and widespread flooding have lost homes and loved ones, livelihoods and hope. And rescue and medical services stretch to the limit in caring for the injured and traumatized. And for those in other parts of the world experiencing too the effects of global warming, May these tragedies stiffen all the more the resolve of those in power, politically, industrially, and in the media, to take the steps necessary to care for our planet Earth and all of us who live on it. We pray in these times of not only discordant voices, but also brutal actions worldwide. For an easing and ideally an end to the pain endured by so many across our globe suffering from war, intertribal conflict, poverty, racism, persecution for their faith, and the need to flee their country for safety and a better life for politicians, aid agencies, and all with influence of any kind who are striving for the goal of ending man's inhumanity to man. And finally, ending on a brighter note, we pray for all sportsmen and women bringing enjoyment and excitement at this time to so many spectators and viewers on screen that by their conduct in the best interests of their sport, they may not only lift people's spirits in these difficult times, but be a worthy example for others to follow, especially the young, on court or fairway, on pitch or track. These varying prayers for others we offer in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness. Let us rise to praise God. <clears throat>
Psalm number 121 begins with these words, I lift up mine eyes to the hills. Now with that verse in mind, and the one thought of these summer days, the thought that many people are enjoying wonderful weather during COVID here at home, staycationing, the title I've given this sermon this morning is Look Up and Take Heart. If it's true that many love spending their holidays by the sea, is it equally true to say that some like nothing more than where the mountains and hills are? For some, the force that draws them there is their love of hillside walks and scrambles, and in a setting that takes them far from people into the quietness of another domain in nature altogether. For though there is the challenge of mountaineering, where the skills of one climber is rewarded by the conquest of another peak, and where for a moment in time they can look down and reflect on the beauty of scenes beneath them. And for still more, it's simply enough to view from a distance the rolling ranges and enjoy a winding journey of great beauty through them. But for whatever reason people like the mountains, they have this in common with John Ruskin, who said, My most intense happinesses are amongst the mountains. In his explorations of Central Africa, David Livingston came at length to the Great Falls on the Zambezi River. He'd heard the natives speak about the place where the smoke is that sounds. Their way of refailing to the column of vapor that rose high above the volume of the cataract. The islands that dotted this spectacle, the lush vegetation, the thundering water, these things on the Victoria Falls, as he called them after his queen, held Livingston enthralled. But in his journal he later wrote, the only want felt is that of mountains in the background. I believe we too would miss very much the mountains if they were not there. And mountains have a thing or two to say to each one of us here today in summer time. Three words I'd like to highlight. They bring a message of their own. Each is easy to remember. Each is a challenge for our ongoing thoughts long after this service is over. Each encourages you and me to look up and take heart. And the first of those words is power. The mountains speak to us of power. Amongst primitive people from earliest times, there was the belief that the gods lived there. And later, because it was the place where they had their refuge and their homes, the power and security of the mountains. In many a place today, There are legends connecting spur and crag with the strength of giants, who either in a fit of anger or some playful mood heaved those great boulders or areas of earth into their present position. And over the centuries, the people of Israel linked up the mountains too in their thoughts, 
with power. But it was with the power of God. So surely it's no wonder that the mountains figure so prominently in the Bible. The faith of Abraham, for instance, experienced its greatest test on Mount Moriah when he was preparing there to sacrifice his son Isaac. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. The supremacy of God over the priests of Baal in the time of Elijah, this was the verdict of Mount Carmel. And the temple that enshrined the Israelite nation's faith in one God was built on the stronghold of Jerusalem. And the singing of the 121st Psalm, the traveler's Psalm that Maureen read earlier, was rendered by those Jews going up, quite literally, going up to their capital for the Passover festival. It reminded them of God's power and the freedom he'd given them from slavery. But David, the Psalms likely author from his experiences as a shepherd, a soldier, and a sovereign, no stranger to danger or to future difficulties in his life, spoke of a power not in the past, but something in the present. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Gospels, two of their mountain slopes, the places where Jesus taught, and then there was Calvary, the skill-like eminence where he was crucified for his teaching and about God's new and better kingdom for people and the character and conduct of people needed for it. God is indeed the power behind all the hills and the mountains, behind all the wonders of creation that you and I know of. But his power is stressed in the New Testament in another way. The power to bring good out of evil, to change people's lives, to strengthen the spirit of his followers. In one account after another, his power at work is shown, and most notably in the raising of Jesus from the dead, promising thereby that in all the ups and downs of life, his power is there for all who put their trust in him. The county and her mother were staring up at two figures high on a cliff in front of her, and she shouted out with a concerned voice, Hey, your grip of your father's hand, Willie. And back from the cliff face came the words, No, mother, father's got a grip of mine, and that's far better. Now, David the psalmist would have liked that, for said he of the God he trusted, How could he let your foot slip? How could your guardian sleep? Look to those watching hills then. Be at the morns, the ones on the Antrim side, the highlands of Donegal, 
the Sperrins, down south, wherever. Look to the hills and reflect on a heavenly Father's power. Look up and take heart. The second of those words, the mountains remind us of permanence. There's an old African proverb that states, times change, but the hills remain. Of course, over the millennia, there is the weathering and erosion, but the process is so gradual that the change is barely negligible. And therefore, hills and mountains achieve in people's minds the air of total permanence. That's why people, reflecting on a visit to the Holy Land, will often say when they come back that what impressed them most about the country that had altered and changed over the years in so many ways was the hills of Galilee. Because there Jesus had walked and talked, stayed and prayed. And they were the same as 2,000 years ago. We long for something stable, unshakable in our life. The permanence and presence of the mountains speak of a God who is the same yesterday today and forever. Where does my help come from? asked David. His unwavering reply, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My God and His permanent presence. Leonard Griffith, one-time minister of the city temple in London, in his book, Barriers to Christian Belief, writes, Let us not conceive of the Christian life to be a life of uninterrupted progress, like the journey of a mountaineer who climbs steadily upward, never looking back, crossing one peak after another. Faith is an undulating journey that traverses not only mountain tops and level plains, but also deep valleys and the certainty of God sometimes ceases to be there. The weather of the mind and the spirit varies, ranging from bright sunlight through dense fog to pitch darkness. And we stumble through that darkness unsure that anyone or anything is there. The barriers to faith. These words he writes in the hope that when life's passing squalls or heavy storms do hit us and God is temporarily blanked from our minds just as an airline pilot in dense cloud trusts his or her instruments from past experience, we will have the confidence to say with the psalmist, the Lord will watch over my coming and my going both now and forevermore. Look to those watching hills there. Let them speak to you of power, of permanence, 
the presence of a loving God and take heart. And the third word the mountains bring to us, the thought of peace. That's why the Gospels tell us Jesus went off regularly to find in the hills around Galilee peace, perfect peace. Not simply the escape from crowds that demanded his teaching and healing, but to find with his Father God an inner peace and healing. Something that would give him a new perspective on life. And here's an often forgotten thought. Jesus did not live in a carefree world that our imaginations might conjure up because it existed all before modernity and technology. He lived in a hard and brutish world too, perhaps more so than we experience, where there was death and destruction, dishonesty and greed at every turn. He saw the appalling suffering of innocence, religious and political rivalry, sectarian hatred and fat cats milking the system. Taxes were crushing, work hard, unemployment high, poverty rife, illness going untreated. And in his own pressured and uncertain life, there was the ever-present ever question, O oh God, how can I make this world a better place for you and others? What do you want me to do to make it so? In prayerful reflection, believing in the power and presence of God, that's what Jesus was doing in the peace of the hills around Galilee. I do not need to detail for you the problems and tragedies and evils of our world today. From Brexit, the Northern Ireland Protocol, province in turmoil, and COVID. You know of these things. They hit us every day in the press. But what happens when trouble, sadness, or uncertainty comes to your door? and comes to my door. The death or serious illness of a loved one, a strained or a broken relationship, the worry about your or someone else's health, a job, money, a son or a daughter, an exam, an assessment that will hold the key to the future. Now that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where faith and daily life meet. What then? Remember, David the psalmist said more than, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. He answered his questing spirit that was looking for peace. Where is my help? going to come from. And with words of assurance based upon past experiences, my help will come from, my help does come from, the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
Now, if Jesus needed to make time, not just when, but before challenges and pressures came his way, do you not think that we ought to do the same? To pause in whatever place and way we find most helpful, to inwardly look up, to let down our own defenses and feelings of inadequacy, and to reflect in the quietness what God may be trying to say to us, recalling to mind at the same time how he has smoothed the way unbelievably often in the past. Yes, we would like to know the answer to many things that confuse and worry and cause us heartache, sleepless nights. But our task in life is not to know the future. That's God's job. Our task is to get as close to Him as possible because He is with us always at every step of the journey. And this can be done alone, in church, reading devotional or inspirational literature, simply reflecting and engaging in that all-important activity above all of which Tennyson wrote. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. If you remember nothing else from this sermon, please try, I ask you, to hold on to this thought. And I repeat, our task in life is not to know the future. That's God's job. Our task is to get as close to Him as possible and live as close to Him as possible because He is always with us on the journey, though at times we may doubt it. But He's there. That's how in life one experiences His power, His permanent presence, and inner peace. Things of which the mountains speak. So by all means, go from this place, look up to the hills, but on a greater level, look up. And for God's sake, take heart. Let us pray. Our Father God, we do not find it easy to retain our enthusiasm for growing and learning, for searching and discovering, and for putting into practice the things that are important. Give us, we pray, the wisdom and quiet perseverance in all we do and say this week to be effective witnesses to our Lord and Savior and a benefit and help to all with whom we come in contact. This we ask because we know you have our good at heart.
Amen. We conclude our service of worship as we sing, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder. Let us praise God.
And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you and all who are dear to you this day and forevermore. Amen.